It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with Project Spurs Director of Digital Content, Joe Garcia. In this episode, Joe and I will discuss the Spurs in their last five games, Charles Bassey's season-ending injury, and Zach Collins' overall season as he's been uh, playing with the Spurs this season. Let's go ahead and get, jump right into this episode with Joe. Joe, how are you doing? Doing good. Just trying to stay warm here in San Antonio. I mean, it's spring break, and it was it was warm last week. And then this week has been a totally different animal all, all together. It's been in the 40s. It's cold. It's windy. I'm like, what's going on, man? I mean, we need to get rid of, of winter. I want spring. I want it to be warm again, Paul. Yeah, y'all are getting my kind of weather, man. I live over here by the mountains now, and, and I'm usually in the 30s and 40s, and I saw you guys, you all in San Antonio were in the low 40s too. So Yeah, man. Pretty similar. Um, all right, Joe, so it's been a while since I last recorded Spurs cast. It's been about nine days. You know, I uh, spent some time see- seeing the family. I went to San Antonio to visit and then uh, had some family join me, so I, I haven't been on for about nine, nine, nine days. And so let's talk about the last five games for the Spurs because they played a, a, um, you know, a number of games here. They've actually uh, done pretty well here. They went two and three in their last five games. Now, I know if you watch the games, you know, they fell apart there in their, their most recent loss uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies in overtime, but overall, they, they, they've been playing, they've been winning games. I mean, we saw this team going a 14-game losing streak, so this is actually improvement for them uh let's go back to last friday uh the spurs are hosting the denver nuggets the number one seed denver nuggets in the west at the time uh the spurs defeated the nuggets by eight points the nuggets led for the first half but then the spurs took over in the second half and basically held on to that lead and denver could never you know make that full comeback and the spur of the game on this night was doug mcdermott he was he was a really good shooter off the bench for san antonio then last sunday uh, the Spurs were hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder. They lost by 12 to the Thunder, who were without um, Shea Gildas-Alexander. Uh, the, the Thunder pretty much held a comfortable lead for most of that game. The spur of the game in this night was Zach Collins. He played very well for San Antonio. Then on Tuesday this past week, the Spurs hosted the Orlando Magic, and they defeated them in a blowout. They won by 18 San Antonio. The Spurs um, held pretty much a comfortable lead throughout. They really weren't challenged by Orlando's defense. Uh, and the Spurs set a new franchise record for made threes with 22 made threes in this game. Again, Zach Collins was the best player for San Antonio. On Wednesday, on the second out of back-to-back, the Spurs are hosting the Dallas Mavericks without Luka Doncic and without uh, Kyrie Irving, and they lost by nine in overtime. This game was pretty close throughout. Nobody really pulled away, but then in the final two minutes is when Dallas really um, put together their lead, and and they ended up closing out the game. The best spur for this game was Malachi Branham. And then the most recent game, Joe, was another overtime loss for the Spurs. They're hosting the Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant. They lose by six in overtime, and this was one where – the Spurs should have had this game. They were up by 29, 29 points in the third quarter. And with one minute left, one minute, they're up by nine. And I literally thought the game was over. I was like typing my post-game notes like, oh, the Spurs are going to move into this after winning the game. And no, with a nine-point lead, one minute left, they end up lo- the Grizzlies forced overtime. And then in the final minute of overtime, 
the Grizzlies pull away and they end up winning by six. Uh, the best player for San Antonio on this night was Devin Vassell. So, Joe, overall, Vegas said the Spurs should have gone 0-5 in these last five games, but instead they actually went 2-3. and They could have gone 3-2 had they pulled out that Memphis game. And even actually 4-1 and even if they pulled out the Dallas game. Uh, so, again, playing better basketball. I know it doesn't seem like it after that, that loss to the Grizzlies, but what are your thoughts on this team kind of kind of gelling a little bit better and especially getting better defensively in these last five games? Yeah, that's the key, though. They've been getting better defensively, and you've seen some growth out of just not only the young core, but even your your seasoned veteran players are, are playing a little bit better as well. It seems like the team is gelling uh, well together now. They found mm-hmm. some cohesiveness down the stretch here, which is a good thing. That's basically what you want to see out of a young team that, again, hasn't had the season that Spurs fans have wanted. But we kind of knew they were going to be here in this full-on rebuild. And I got to say, though, the one person that really surprised me that I think really threw the game for the San Antonio Spurs when they were up by 29 points in the final minute of that Grizzlies game in that fourth quarter, Zach Collins was booty crumbs. You know, he made a lot of mistakes. And unfortunately, those mistakes actually did cost the Spurs because what happened is that the Grizzlies were able to convert on, I believe, back-to-back threes. And from that point on, I mean, that was pretty much it. You had an offensive foul. I believe you had like a a turnover, not a turnover. It was a tie-up, and then you had mm-hmm. a jump ball, and then just didn't go in the Spurs' favor. So, unfortunately for the for the Spurs, you see them still making those critical mistakes in crunch time down the stretch in the fourth yep. quarter. Same thing happened to them in the previous game. I believe it was against yeah, it was against the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. And, same thing happened to him there. And then you look to see in this last game against the Grizzlies, same thing happened to him there. And unfortunately, they just couldn't keep up. You know, they just couldn't keep pace once they fell behind, you know, going into the overtime session. And that's pretty much all she wrote. You know, they just kind of looked like they kind of ran out of gas. You know, shots weren't falling anymore. And you can contribute that to them just being tired. And, you know, credit to Memphis. They never gave up. They kept on playing through yep. everything that was presented to them. And and they were just a veteran, a better veteran a basketball club and and they won you know so you can't do nothing but tip your hat to them and I know a lot of the fans are going to feel a certain way with Dylan Brooks screaming and yelling and talking yeah. all this you know trash and I mean you don't like seeing that win the game you know that's all you got to do so hopefully they it's a learning experience for them and they'll learn from this and it's going to hurt but it's gonna it's for the greater good because what happened now Paul with the Spurs losing now we have the Rockets that won, so they did us a solid. Yep. So the Spurs are the second worst team in the NBA behind only the Charlotte Hornets. So they did the right thing. The Spurs did the right thing and they lost. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And and like one thing I, I want to give, you know, credit to the Spurs is that we know that at this point of the season, their roster is never going to be like have any consistency. Basically, it looks like the pattern is like if Kelton plays one game, he's going to be out the next night with with an injury. If, if Devin plays one game, he's out the next night with an injury. Even even Zach Collins has started to sit games. Even Devontae Graham started to sit games. So I think that's the that's the, that's the thing we're going to see with this team is there's never going to be a, a consistent roster out there each night. And just because they're you know they're already at that point where it's almost over and they want to just make sure everybody's you know healthy to end the season, they don't want a situation like Charles Bassey where we saw him get injured for the rest of the year. We'll talk about him a little bit later. So that's a, that's the thing to give credit to the Spurs the fact that they're competitive in these games. They actually hold held the league could have won these games despite having all this like weird inconsistency with the roster. All right, so Joe, now let's look at big picture. Kind of something you were talking about here is how are the Spurs doing through 70 games? Uh, still 29th on offense, you know, still hasn't moved. Even when they're playing better, you know, they're four and six in the last 10. They're still about 28th in offense during their last 10. So offense has still been a struggle for them. They're 30th on defense overall, yes, but in these last 10 games, like I talked about, their defense. 
defense has really improved. They're actually 13th uh, ranked defense in the last 10 games, which is, you know, you know, right, right, uh, a little bit better than league average. And that's a good sign for going into next season. The fact that this group of players can put together 13th ranked defense for at least 10 games, uh, 30th net rating still. Uh, like you mentioned, Joe, they're 18 and 52 overall. Now they moved to 15th out west now that the Rockets won um, last night. Uh, and you and I are recording this on a Saturday morning. There are 12 games left in the season, so the season is almost over. <laughs> There's no incentive to win all these games just because you can't make the playoffs. They're already eliminated. Um, what happened was uh, they're tied for the for the second worst record in the league with the Rockets. And what that does is still a 14% chance of getting the number one number one overall pick for Victor Wimbanyama. But their worst case scenario improves. Basically, they can only fall to six now uh, if they end up with the second um, lot, you know, with the second uh, worst record in the league. Uh, and Joe, let's go ahead and do our draft simulation like we did last time when oh, you were on the Spurs no. cast. And let's see how many t- how many tries it would take for the Spurs to get Victor Wimbanyama to get the number one overall pick. So I have Tankathon up right now, their draft simulation. Okay, and let's do our first. Let's see how many chances. Come on, I got my fingers crossed. One. Nope. Two. Nope. Three. Nope. Four. No. <laughs> Five. Uh oh. Now it's six. <laughs> oh man. Seven. Wow. Eight. Mm. Nine. Ten. Eleven. Eleven chances 11. there. Wow. So I mean, again, that's just again, we like to do that here on the Spurs cast just to show that those those forty percent lottery odds don't mean that there's a guarantee that the Spurs end up with Victor Wimanyama at the end of the year, even if they finish with the bottom three record. What are your thoughts, Joe, on just how this team's doing overall? They're getting a little bit better, but overall, you know, you still see that they're they're missing a couple pieces here. Um, and hopefully they can go ahead and figure things out. The draft will be in their favor as well, and they'll get a, a fairly high pick, you know, just like you said right now with that simulator, 11 tries for them to get that number one pick. Overall, I still have them at least maybe three or four, which is still not that bad. As you said, they can only fall to six if they go mm-hmm. ahead and, you know, keep their current trajectory. So overall, it's not that bad. You know, situation could be a lot worse. Um, we could, let's say like this, Spurs fans, the team could have made a bad trade and this pick could have went some, to somebody else and the Spurs would have been, you know, in the same situation. They would have just been that much worse next season. But they have something to look forward to. They do have some picks coming up and the upcoming drafts as well. So hopefully they can flip those and turn those into some key pieces uh, that the team needs to go ahead and be, you know, get competitive again in the Western conference and not only in the West, but also in, in the NBA period. Cause who, I mean, who doesn't miss watching this team on national games again, seeing yeah. them on the TNTs on the ESPN, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, we're just delegated to watching them here in our regional sports networks, you know, and then we get a solid, uh, you know, game over a couple games over here on, you know, over the air TV on cans or, or CW, you know, that's a plus, but yeah, man, it's it's just one of the one of those things showing you where the team is at currently. So better better things are coming. We just got to be patient and again, hopefully that the team can keep the tr- current trajectory, Paul, and you know beat the odds a little bit. Maybe come three, four, maybe beat everything and get that number one pick. Lightning, yeah. you know, strike three times for the San Antonio Spurs. I, I got my fingers crossed, but just looking at the team as a whole, you still see that. There's still some growth that needs to be made, but there's some things you can be excited for as a Spurs fan. It's just not a total wash. There are things that are going on that you can be excited for as far as the growth in the young core. Yeah, and just like one thing I wanted to say, just going back to how, how the game um, went, went last night against the uh, Grizzlies, is that like 
Had the Spurs won that game, they would have been projected to, at best case scenario, getting 22 wins, which would have caught Charlotte if Charlotte, you know, had a terrible ending to the season. And the fact that they lost, now it, they don't, they're not on track anymore to catch Charlotte. So again, it's just like we're going to have to really watch these last 12 games closely because there's going to be so much movement there in those bottom four to see, you know, who ends up winning, uh, who ends up uh, having the worst record. So again, that'll be very interesting, especially... I think the Spurs have a good chance of actually um, having a worse record than Houston because Houston's actually playing well. They're five and five in their last ten, so so they're winning some games here. Detroit's pretty much ran away with that thirtieth um, uh, worst record right there. Uh, they 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 they're like one and nine in the last ten, and then Charlotte's actually struggling. So you got to keep an eye on Charlotte for moving from four to like three or two, and then maybe Houston moving into four or three. So again, that's just something to watch uh, with the. Uh, last 10 games going on. Uh, I want to say something too, Paul. It seems like every time we do those scenarios, you know, the, the yeah. draft simulators, Utah is sneaky. It, 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 they get in there in that number one or the number two or the number three spot or even four, you know, they keep on continuously coming in there. So I don't know. I think that's kind of going to go tell you that, you know, Utah can be one of these sneaky teams that might come in and kind of bump the Spurs back, uh, you know, from three to four or something. Yeah, if that happens, it reminds me of a scenario when when um, Memphis got John Moran a few years ago. They weren't, you know, they didn't have. A, I don't think they had the, the second worst record, and they ended up sneaking in there from from the bottom and getting yeah. and ended up getting him. So again, just something to watch. Again, there's, there's no guarantee with uh, with the, with these draft simulators or with, with just with the draft lottery. Now that the odds have kind of um kind of equaled out a little bit for, for a lot of teams. All right, so let's go ahead and get into some injury news. Unfortunately for Charles Bassey, um, on Wednesday the Spurs announced that he uh, he will be out for the remainder of the season. Now I know that sounds like a big deal. It's the remainder of the season. It sounds like these big words, but when really it's twelve games. That's all they have left. Uh, with the non-displaced fracture in his left patella. So again, a quick Google search tells you that's a fractured kneecap. So unfortunately for Bassey, this is you know in most years you would say okay, it's just twelve games, but the fact that this is a rebuilding team where he's going to get a lot of minutes was would have been a good opportunity for him, and it really stinks for him that he was actually having a pretty decent season off the bench here. Um, after playing the G League and, and the fact that he has to miss these final 12 games to have that opportunity. So let's just look at Bassey's season, how he finished it this year with the Spurs. Uh, in 35 games, he averaged 5.7 points off the bench in four, on, on four shot attempts a night. 5.5 rebounds really stands out on the team. Uh, 2.1 fouls, 1.3 assists, 1.2 turnovers, and almost a block per game in just 15 minutes a night. Again, 0.9 blocks, uh, 0.5 steals. Uh, he, where he really stood out amongst the team bigs were in deflections on defense, steals, blocks, uh, defensive rebounds per 36 minutes. His one flaw on defense this year was he, he did foul too much. Um, and then what does the Spurs' um, front court look like? Uh, it looks like there's a lot of players available, but really when we talk about what, what we said earlier, Joe, the fact that they're resting almost a player every night, they are very thin in the front court. So you have Zach Collins still as your starting five. You have Jeremy Sohan as your starting four. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. But again, those players are probably going to play once every other night or every other game. Kata Bates' job is at the four. He he was uh, injured recently in, in the most recent loss to Memphis. Uh, he plays the four. The new player, Sandro Mamukelishvili, has been getting a lot of minutes, and he's very versatile. He can play the four and five. He's going to continue to see increased minutes. Rookie Dominic Barlow is going to get a lot of a lot of run here. Um, he plays the five. 
and then uh, Gorgie Jang, when they really have to go to him, uh, is going to play the five. But we saw like last night against Memphis, that third string unit, they really couldn't hold that lead. And that's where Memphis started to make that comeback against the Spurs uh, with their depth. So that's going to be an issue for them. The fact that they're resting a lot of players or players are out due to injury management and uh, they, they have a very slim front court. What are your thoughts, Joe, on Charles Bassey um, being out for the rest of the season? I think it's a good thing, you know, for him to go ahead and get some rest there. And hopefully we'll see what happens with that uh, micro fracture, the, the fractured kneecap. But I got to mm-hmm. say the one thing that does concern me, too, is that if you look at what's happened in the history uh, of players who have had this type of, of injury, you go back and you have players like Amari Stoudemire. You have Penny Hardaway, Chris Webber, Alan yeah. Houston, Ron Harper. They were just never the same after they had this surgery. It kind of hastened on, you know, the the end of their basketball careers. Uh, Amari Stoudemire in particular, I remember when he was known for his high, you know, uh, hops that he had. He would jump up yeah. there with the best of them. He very athletic, you know, uh, very athletic, big, being able to grab rebounds and be very aggressive inside the paint. And once he had that surgery, he just ne- wasn't the same anymore. He just didn't have that explosiveness you know that that leaping ability and it seemed like his um you know his athleticism left him a little bit as well he wasn't as mobile after that surgery i'm hoping that you know charles bassey is going to fare better with you know today's medicine you know is a lot better than it was back in you know the 2000 2010s um but again it's just something to keep an eye on if you are a spurs fan you know and and just to see how well he's going to come back from this injury and again i don't want the spurs to rush him because you just extended him. So the best yeah. thing to do is proceed with caution, even if he might have to miss most of the season next in this upcoming season, you know, the 2023, 2024 season. So his injury is not something should, that should be taken lightly. It, it, it warrants your attention. And, and it's going to also depend on how well the Spurs are able to work him back into game shape. So just pray that he comes back stronger and better than ever. That's all we can hope for. Yeah, for sure. And, and looking at his contract, I was looking at him. Like you said, they extended him. He He's guaranteed for next season, for sure, on the roster. Uh, and then the final two years are, are non-guaranteed. So, again, that's just something to keep an eye on. And, again, you hope that, that he was having a good season. Like I said, off the bench, he was really popping out in certain areas uh, there statistically. And then it's, it stinks for him that he has to has to miss the, the remainder of the season, you know, with that with that, that kneecap injury. All right. And then uh, the last player I want to talk about about here joe is um zach collins we talked to about him before on the spurs cast but i kind of wanted to highlight how he's really having some, some pretty good games except for like you said that fourth quarter against memphis when he was struggling <laughs> down the stretch throwing that aside uh, let's talk about zach's overall season now and again this is a big deal for him the fact that he's getting a lot of run now and he's actually been healthy he's gunning he's uh you know after after facing multiple years of injuries which with portland and then, then even trying to rehab back and, and getting in shape for san antonio's uh run uh, so let's talk about his overall season. So he's averaging 11.1 points on eight shot attempts, 6.2 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 3.1 fouls, 0.5 steals, uh, two turnovers, and 0.7 blocks in 22 minutes a night. He's really stood out these last three games he's played in. He's actually averaged 20-plus points in all three games. And a big part of that is his, his, he's starting to take more threes and making those threes. He's average, He's making like – like in each of those 20-point games, he's made like three or more threes. So that's a big part of it, the fact that he's really showing um, – highlighting that pick-and-pop game that he provides to the Spurs – um, let's look at his shot analysis. We note that 62, 62% of his shots come from the paint. Uh, so he definitely takes more shots there. 27% come from the three-point line. 
he's really doing a great job of doing what Jakob Pertl used to do. He's, he scores well near the rim, and he's actually scoring well in like that floater range. Uh, on his three-point shot, he doesn't take many corner threes, uh, but when he does take that pick-and-pop three out on the, on the above the breakthrough, he's actually making it well. He's, he's averaging 1.20 um, points per shot on that shot, and defenses are paying whenever they leave him open. They, they, you know, uh, Whenever he sets a pick for one of the guards, uh, he immediately pops back to the three-point line, and defenses definitely leave, leave him wide open. 75% of his threes are attempted wide open, and he's making them pay. He's making 1.21 uh, points per, per shot on that shot. One thing uh, he doesn't do much is, is take pull-up threes, but I've noticed that if he catches it about 21 feet, he kind of does one pop um, dribble and steps back and then launches the three. And, and that's interesting to watch the fact that he's working on that shot right now with just 12 games le- left, because if he perfects that or, or gets it, uh, you know, masters a little bit better in the off season then comes in next year uh, with that, with that pull-up jumper, when he takes that one step back, that's going to be very interesting to see if he adds that to his game. It just makes him a more versatile player. Uh, some other things I want to note about Zach Collins this year. Uh, he has been, according to my, one of my box score models that I created, he's been a top three player for San Antonio, 32% of his games that he's played in, but he's really started to pop off ever since the trade deadline, which we expected that with Jacoperto being gone, there's a lot more opportunity for him. He's really done a great job of, of standing out on, on the team in these, and since, since the trade deadline. Uh, as far as post-ups, he's he's the team leader there. He, he's averaged, I mean, he's he's attempted 162 post-ups. Uh, he's making 54% of his, his shots in the post-ups, so that's a, that's an efficient number. Um, 51% of the times he, he shoots the ball, uh, he passes 25% of the time in the post-up. He gets to the free throw line about 10%, and then he does turn it over a bit 8% of the time when, when he's in the post-up. Uh, he stands out on defense amongst the Spurs bigs in, contest, in contested shots per 36 minutes and defensive rebounds per 36 minutes, where he looks like um, some areas that he stands out across all bigs across the league according to cleaning the glass he's in the 93rd percentile and assist percentage for big so he does a great job moving the ball as a big uh, 85th percentile and assisted rim mix so this means that he can create his own shot near the rim uh, frequency of taking threes is slightly above league average for his position and also slightly above league average for his position in defensive rebounding. And then he's actually outperforming his contract. According to Profit X, he's um, he's 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 playing like a player earning nine point nine million when his real contract is only seven point three million. So he's outperforming his contract by two point six million. And then lastly, we know that he's on a non guaranteed deal next season for seven point seven million. I do think the Spurs are going to pick that up just because uh, they have to make that decision by June 23rd before the, this free agency gets here. And again, he's outperforming his contract. He's playing like a $10 million player right now uh, with the production he's bringing. What have been your thoughts, Joe, on Zach Collins this year? Zach Collins has been uh, the tale of two two halves. You know, let's put it like that. Uh, he got injured. You didn't play many minutes because he had to go ahead and, you know, go through rehab and whatnot, get back into game shape. But, you know, you got to give credit to him. He did what he needed to do to to come right back and be productive. And, you know, with the Spurs, once again, you know, and he's finishing the season strong, especially with the trade with Yaka Portal, getting many more minutes there, much more minutes there, should I say, and actually being productive. So there's some good points, as, as you just pointed out, you know, the strong points of his game. However, there is one thing that I do want to address here, and is for all the accolades and for all the, you know, the stats that you're you just pointed out right now of Zach Collins being a, a, a team leader and, you know, being able to contribute in a big way for the for the San Antonio Spurs being their starting center. You got to question his his temper. You know, if you're going to be looked upon as a leader, one of the things you have to do is you got to kind of control your emotions out there on the court. And he's been getting in these dust ups the last couple of games. You know, he got into a back and forth again with uh, Dylan Brooks and you can't let players trigger you. Because that actually translates as far as that body language, that mantra, that that energy, 
you transfer that onto your your teammates. And what happens is that Spurs were up prior to that little dust up that he had with Dylan Brooks. After the dust up, what happened? The the Grizzlies go and they go on a run. They tie the game. They go into overtime. They win the game. You know, and again, when 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 you let your emotions get the better of you, you're not as focused. You're you're out there. You're angry. You know, you're just wanting to get revenge and whatnot. But I mean, it, it's it's a stupid thing to do, especially you don't want to be a detriment to your team. You don't want to be getting into foul trouble. You don't want to be getting those, you know, the, you know, technical fouls like him and Dylan Brooks got again. You know, they had the double technicals. All these things cost your team. It hurts your team in the in the end, you know. So if you want to really help your team win, you got to keep your emotions in check. I'm sure Coach Pop will address that with him at some point in time. He probably did right after the game as well. Yeah. But it's an ongoing thing that you've seen from him. He just needs to be able to keep those emotions in check. You know, you're out there to perform. And how are you going to help your team when all the time you're letting people get under your skin? You just got to set a better tone. If somebody's going to talk crap to you, smile. Let your game do the speaking, you know, like Tim Duncan used to do. Some of the greats, you know, some of them wouldn't even talk, you know, trash. They would just be like, say what you want. You're not going to rattle me. And by you not engaging in that type of behavior, it send a message to them like it doesn't work on this guy. You know, I'm just wasting my energy and wasting my breath. And you get them out of their game because they're so focused on trying to get you rattled that they forget what they're doing. You know, so I think Zach Collins just, you know, he's young, but. He needs to keep that under control because, again, you don't want that to be a detriment to the team moving forward. Yeah, no, you have a great point there. And especially I would I would like to see how he would handle that if they were actually a winning club, if they were like a playoff level team. You know, I think that would be huge. I think it would be way more obvious the fact that, you know, that that part of his game. Uh, I know that, you know, some, sometimes his teammates and even like Papa said, like, you know, he brings some nastiness to the team, some physicality. I think I think right now because they're a losing club, you know, they're, they're usually, you know, like I said, 30th on defense. They kind of like that a little bit from him. But again, I am eager to see if they play better next year or even like two or three years down the road. Um, and he's still on the team, you know, how does that affect when they're actually a winning club? I, do, I, I am interested in seeing, you know, wh- where does that translate, like, like you mentioned there. And um, so, yeah, so I just think that, you know, he's had a, he's had a pretty good year here. Uh, I want to ask you this, though, because, um, you know, some rumors about how, um, how how Victor Wembanyama wants to most likely play the four when he comes to the NBA next year. If the Spurs got lucky and landed uh, Wembanyama, do you think Zach's the pretty good player to, to have there to start alongside him where Zach plays the five starting? Or do you think they should actually go out and either try to trade for a center or um, try to sign a center because they're going to have a lot of cap space next offseason. What are your thoughts about Zach fitting in with a player like Wimpanyama? You you have that that possibility that the Spurs are just going to stand pat. You know they can go mm-hmm. ahead and uh, you know get pick up Zach for for a bargain basement deal of what seven point five million if they yeah. wind up picking him up because it's non guaranteed. He has a non guaranteed contract, and they do in fact get the number one pick and they go with uh, Wemby Victor Wimpanyama. Yeah, it would be great to see him on the court at the same time together, you know, because you're getting a player that's already knows the Spurs system and shows that they can be productive. Um, it's not going to be, you know, that Zach, Zach Collins is going to be your superstar, but you need all these pieces together in order to give you the best chances of winning. And I think the Spurs just, you know, have a good thing here with Zach Collins. If they go, in fact, do draft Wim- Victor Wembeyama to keep the most of the team intact there. And you're not having to break, break the bank necessarily. If there's really no big name free agents that are going to be available, why do you have to go out there and spend that money on, you know, players that might not necessarily fit just because you want to add a body? Well, sometimes adding bodies is also a detriment to the team. Just go ahead and keep that cohesiveness uh, that they've built so far this season and keep it going into next season. So 
I think if they do draft Wemby, there's no need to rush out there and, and try to sign somebody uh, again, just keep that money. And if something, you know, comes up and, you know, the, the next season, then maybe that's something you can you go, go ahead and take a look at. But no need to go ahead and just go and sign a, a, a star, an aging star. You don't need to do that. I think the Spurs are smart, smart enough, you know, to go ahead and just stand pat. Plus, you know, they have all those other picks that are coming up and, you know, the upcoming drafts to look forward to. So no need to hit the panic button and just go out there and buy bodies just because the fans want you to do it. You know? yeah. so I think they're going to play it smart. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I think Zach would be a great fit next to Wembenyama just because of his versatility, where if Wemby wants to go one-on-one and go in, you know, into the paint and score, Zach can just pop out for three. If if uh, Wemby wants to sh- uh, spot up and shoot threes, well, then Zach can actually be the player who kind of plays in the post like we talked about a little bit earlier. So I think that he has a great versatile game to add. Uh, you know, defensively, there's going to be some issues there uh, for for um, for the for the team in the front court because Zach's, you know, his numbers don't, don't pop off the page very well uh, defensively compared to other bigs in the league overall. That's an area to watch. But again, if, if they're just going to kind of still be like a, a more of a rebuilding um growing kind of team next year then I, again i don't think there's any rush to um to, to go out and try to f- force your way to, to the trade for a center or try to sign a center so we're gonna yeah. we'll see what happens there uh, and again he's healthy too paul hopefully he can stay healthy yes that's a big thing too and, and i was very uh, you know I, it's a good thing to see that his, his minutes have been like one of the top i think i think in overall minutes he's like in the top five of spurs players so again that just shows a credit to the fact that that um that that he, he's been able to stay healthy so far and i think that the spurs will keep up that approach with him and Vassell and Kelton and Sohan and all these players of like you play one night and then the next the next game you're probably going to sit for some some sort of injury or injury management and it's just smart to do just to make sure these players don't get hurt like we saw with Charles Bassley and Bassey unfortunately with just 12 games left all right so thank you to Joe for joining me on this episode of the Spurs cast and also for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at Project Spurs stay safe and have a great day It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.